Well, we've had, um, in the first service, we just had an awesome time of prayer together at the altars. I, I was so encouraged by it, and I'm encouraged by this time of prayer, as I just sense God at work in our church. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, today, and all we have is today, and I, I want you to know that God is at work in your church. Uh, he is moving uh, the salvation candle is lit again today, and we're praising God for that because God is moving in his church, and he's going to move through prayer. I believe that. that. That if God is going to do anything fresh and new in this church, it will not be because of anything we say or do, but it will all begin in prayer. Uh, Wednesday night, those of you who were here on Wednesday night, we, we just had a, a great time of, of prayer together. I, I think we spent almost the entire service just praying for particular needs. And so I believe uh, that, that God is trying to do something awesome today at this church. I, I'm thankful for the heritage of this church, all that it's done in the past, but I'm also thankful that God is still moving and, and, and we can have hope in him. Uh, that, that's one of the reasons that we brought Brother Bob on as our prayer pastor. We believe uh, Brother Bob will give us some good leadership as we continue to try to be a church that prays for each other, that prays together. And so keep all those things. And I asked the first service, I think you can. Can you pray for prayer? Can you pray for prayer? Yeah. Let's pray for prayer and that God will give us a, a better understanding of how to pray, when to pray, and how to pray with each other. Well, we're in the midst of our vapor series, Seeking the Eternal in Our Fading Physical Lives. And, and we been doing this series with this simple premise that our physical life is limited. And all of us understand this. We all understand that, that, that we have physical limitations, that, that all of us have things that tell us that we're aging. There's things that I can't do now that I could do when I was 40, and there's things that I could, can't do, couldn't do at 40 that I couldn't do at 25. If you're under 15 or under 18, you have no clue what I'm talking about. But if you're over 25, you understand that you live in a fading physical body. Uh, we see it with our memory. Uh, I, I told Thad, if he ever pulls me over and I'm speeding, it's not because I want to speed. It's because I'm getting there as fast as I can before I forget where I'm going. Um, you, you know, So all of us have these issues in our life that make us realize that these physical bodies aren't made uh, for eternity. And, and we see it, we have, we, even in the course of this series, we've had people who have passed on and, 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 and we've seen that. And so we're, we realize that. It's, it's not something uh, that, that we don't understand. But, but just because our physical life is limited doesn't mean that it's not valuable. Our limited life increases the value of today because today is all you have. Tomorrow is gone and, and, and or yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not guaranteed. And, and so in this fading physical life, we have this awareness of the value of today. Now, we've done a couple of things uh, for this series to kind of remind us of our fading physical life. Number one, we, we don't typically just use dried up dead flowers as props on our stage. Uh, these flowers were at Thad and Sarah's wedding, which was December 31st, and we just left them up there just so you can kind of watch them dry and fade and so Craig can have something to clean up on the stage eventually as the leaves just 
continue to wither. And on the back, so that, that reminds us of our fading physical life. And, and then the back of the sanctuary, there's a box and there's little notepads or little note sheets where you can write things with invisible ink and drop them in the, in the box. Things from yesterday that you need to let go of. And so we're, we're trying to be aware of all these things. For this month, our missional project is, is the Community Pregnancy Center, the New Path Pregnancy Center. Uh, we, we believe in the sanctity of life. I, I believe in the value of your life. I believe in the, the value of, of, of the, the life of a fetus. And we, so we, we support that. But we don't just support that by words. We want to support that financially. And so there's baby bottles in the back of the sanctuary. I encourage you to take one home, fill it with change, bring it back by February 14th. This Super Bowl party Sunday night, the most social night in America is Super Bowl Sunday night. And the Bible says make the most of every opportunity. And so we're encouraging you to make the most of an opportunity like that and invite some fellow believers, invite some people who are pre-faith, unbelievers, into your home on Super Bowl Sunday night and just spend some time planting the gospel, planting the seed, building friendships, building relationships. Upward is another opportunity to seize that moment and plant the gospel in the today that you have. Our limited life increases the value of today, and so we want to use the day as effectively, as productively as possible. And so... Two weeks ago, we talked about eternal things. We talked about faith, hope, and love. And uh, the, the Bible says three things abide, faith, hope, and love. And the grace of these is love. And, and we talked about how they, that, that we live with faith in today, but faith primarily looks backwards at the faithfulness of God. And so we see what God's done, and we know we can trust him in today. And hope looks at the God who keeps his promises. And since God can keep his promises, we have this great hope. And so the expression that flows from a person of faith and hope is love. Love is faith and hope tangibly expressed in your life. Love is not just an emotion, but love is giving of yourself and giving of your resources to other people to meet their need. And so we can love in today because of the faithfulness of God, both in the past and in the future. We can trust God and give ourselves away knowing that God has kept his promises and God will keep his promises. And then last week we talked about if today's all we have, there should be a level of urgency in today. And this morning we're going to focus a little bit about tomorrow. That sounds odd. We're talking about today. Although we cannot live in tomorrow, today affects tomorrow. Can you say that with me? Today affects tomorrow. The choices you make today. The decisions you make today, the way you live today, will have a direct impact on the way you live tomorrow. Think about it. You know, we, we understand this just by natural law. What you eat has an impact on how you feel, right? I am a product of what I've been eating for the last 30 years, right? What we eat has an impact on us. Who likes White Castle? Who would say White Castle doesn't like them, right? <laughs> you know, I, I, I love the... T- and if, you, if, if you're under the age of, 
probably 30 years old. You've probably never had a White Castle, real White Castle hamburger. Now they steam them. They used to cook them in grease, and they were really good then. Right, church? I love the taste of White Castle hamburgers in the moment, but I do not like them later. Uh, You know, I can't smell them after I've eaten them. How you spend your money will have an impact on tomorrow. So if you're wise with your money, if you're wise with your investment, or if you just spend it on bubble gum, that will have an impact, an effect on your future, on your tomorrow. Now, there's an Andy Stanley quote that I think fits within what I'm saying here. Uh, Andy Stanley wrote a book called The Principle of the Path, and, and the key ideal of, of his of his book is this, direction, not intention, determines destination. Say that with me. Direction, not intention, determines destination. This is a highly significant, important principle. I, I say this to my boys until they're sick of me saying it, you know, because there's always these things you want to do. It's not the intention of your heart that will get you to the places you want to go, but it's the direction, the steps that the things that you are doing today will be the things that lead you to the place that you want to go. It's not just a matter of wanting things, but, but taking steps that lead us in the right direction. And, and, and we understand, this, is, this applies to all aspects of life. You know, if you want to be a great athlete, if you want to be a great basketball player or football player, it, it begins... Not just with wanting it, but with doing the training of the things you need to do to achieve that level of success. I see Wayne back there. And Wayne was a great athlete. Right, Wayne? You can just say it. You were a great athlete, yeah? It wasn't just that you intended or wanted to be a great athlete. You did work in the past so that in the present you could achieve goals. It's the same in our careers. If you want to have a successful career, you can't just want it, but you've got to take the steps. Your education, if you're in school, you can't just want an A, but you need to do the work. You need to study. And all the students said, amen, pastor. That is wise, and I will spend the rest of the afternoon studying. Today affects tomorrow, all aspects of life, and today's faith affects tomorrow's faith. Think of it this way. Faith is a muscle. If you do not exercise your faith, it will shrink. And if you do exercise your faith, it will grow. See, I think in the church, we have a lot of people who want to be great. Who wants to be a great person of faith? Raise your hand. Okay. Most of us do. I think almost all of us do. We, we want to have a greater level of faith. And if we were, if we were to imagine ourselves in five years, we, I think most of us imagine ourselves at a place where we're growing, that we have a greater maturity in our faith level. Direction, not intention, determines destination. And so if we want this greater faith level, it's not just going to be done because we want it, but it will happen because in today we take steps that help grow our faith tomorrow. Now, now this is almost a, a just a, such a general, it's a general principle in the Bible, this 
living faith, this growing faith. You know, Jesus talks about mustard seeds type faith, this, this faith that's growing, that's expanding, that, that's built precept upon precept, that's built step by step, day by day. It's just a general principle. You see stories that really illustrate it. I, I think one story that illustrates this well, well is the story of David and Goliath. You guys all know the story of David and Goliath. David's this 12, 13-year-old boy that's out watching the father's sheep and his brothers are at war and, and Goliath's this huge, giant, Todd, stand up. All right, I need somebody small. Come stand by Todd. Here, I want, I want you guys to see the, the example here. You guys stand up front. Let, let, let's see David and Goliath. Come up so they can see you in turn. <laughs> David and Goliath, all right? Okay, you guys can sit down. I just want to see the... You know the story, you know, David comes to the, the front lines and Goliath is like, you know, shouting insults. And David's like, you know, why don't somebody take care of this guy? He's insulting God and his armies. And they say, well, you know, why don't you just shut up and go back home? <laughs> and David goes to the king and he tells the king, you know, what, what's he say? He says, I, I've killed the lion and I've killed the bear. And this giant's just going to be like one of those. You, you see in that the principles of building faith. That, that, that before David could kill the giant, he had to kill the lion and the bear. What, what's implied in that, what's not stated by David, is before David killed the lion and the bear, there were other foundational faith things that happened. Maybe the first thing for David was, I spent the night all by myself <laughs> with the sheep in the field. Or maybe the next one is, hey, I had to go and try to find a sheep, and it was kind of scary. What are the foundational faith acts, the faith steps, that, that God's calling you to make today? See, see, I believe all of us should have a living, growing faith. Is that true? Right? All, all of us... I don't believe there becomes a t- comes a time in our life where we say, oh, that's enough faith for me, God. But, but I believe God's calling us to this living, breathing faith that's growing. So let me ask you, is your faith bigger today than it was yesterday? Honestly, I mean, you, know, you don't have to answer this out loud, but I, just want, I want you to think about some point in your past. Is your faith bigger today than it was at that point in your past? Or are there choices that you've made, made faith-wise that have resulted in you not exercising your faith like you should? And because of this lack of exercise, your faith has grown? You know, I, I know I don't look like it, but I, I like to run. I just don't like to run fast, okay? But I do. I, you know, I like to do these long runs, and you know, I, I've done a couple halves and, and even kind of a full. <laughs> I finished it, praise the Lord, and, and you know, the, I didn't finish it in the back of an ambulance. And uh, so I like to do these things. And, but you know, it's a weird thing. I, I did a full, when was that? In September? We did a full in September, me and Wyatt, and Terry did a half. And so I finished this full, and I was, you know, I was pretty good. I, I could run not 26 miles without walking, but I could run 10, 11 miles without walking. And, and now I'm picking up again because I want to run again. 
guess what? I can't run 10 or 11 miles now without walking. You know, I'm back to starting at like one or two miles and, and starting over. See, when, when you don't exercise your faith, when you don't use your faith, there becomes this issue where it begins to shrink. And, and, and I've sensed a problem in the church. Culturally, we know what it means to be Christian, right? We, we know the things we do. And, and we can begin to do those things almost by, by habit. And so in the church, we have, sometimes we're, we're, we're so consumed by the habit of what it means to be Christian that we never listen for God to, to stretch or increase our faith. You know, when I read this book, it's full of risk takers. I, I got to tell you, I, I don't think the stories of the people in this book are, they're a lot different than us. I, I don't think they're like, you know, a whole lot smarter. I don't think they have a whole a great deal of resources more than us. I don't even think that, that spiritually that, that they're that much different than us. But I do believe this, that the Bible is full of stories of people who see God as a risk-taking God and are willing to follow him in risk. And it's in this, this adventure of faith, this risk of faith, that God can grow our faith into something more. How is God calling you to act in faith today? There's probably not a week goes by that I don't have somebody that um, will come to me and say, you know, Pastor, God's kind of calling me to, or he's asking me to do this, or, you know, I'm just not sure. And, 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 and I've had this in my life where, where God's spoken and he said, okay, Paul, I want you to do this. And I've kind of taken my time. Anybody ever slow walked God? <laughs> right? I've done that. And when we do that, we affect the faith that God wants to grow in us. Direction, not intention, determines destination. God has this ideal, this vision of faith in your life. And sometimes we catch a glimpse of that. God plants it in our mind. And if we want to get to that level, to that place that God is leading us, we need to take faith steps today. You can't wait to tomorrow. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Yesterday's gone. So where you are today, and this isn't a, you know, I'm trying to create a guilt trip. You are where you are. I think that's a famous Bill Parcells quote. You are what your record says your record is. You know, we are where we are, but where we're going is yet to be determined. That's just not my faith. You know, today's faith affects tomorrow's faith. That's just not my faith. It's the faith of others. Our decisions, faith decisions and otherwise, affect others. I saw this photo on the internet this mother and father's decision affected this whole family. <laughs> and all these kids are probably still currently in counseling. You know, our decisions affect other people, right? How we live impacts, impacts other individuals' future. And, and so, 
you, you know, that, once again, we're, we're getting to these, these concepts that, you know, it's, it's not like these are that deep, but I'm not sure if we really think about them as often as we should. But the decisions that I make financially, the decisions I make um, employment-wise, the, the decisions I make ministry-wise, the decisions Terry and I make as a couple, the decisions that we make today will have an impact on not just us, but on other people. The, the decisions this church makes, the decisions your church board makes, the decisions you make in your Sunday school classes, it, it's not just about us, right? Now, we, we see this with our kids. We understand that we have this responsibility. I, I, I'm just going to say, I believe as a church... We're not just responsible for the people in this church, but we're responsible for this community. And when we make decisions as a church that are solely for our benefit without any thought for the community, we're missing what God's trying to do in our midst. And at some point, we would pay a price for that. The decisions that you make affect others, and it impacts Others' futures. Now you see this in Scripture. Proverbs 13, 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. The message says it like this. A good life gets passed on to the grandchildren. How we live today affects those who follow. A couple of weeks ago we were talking and you know, my, my cousin Patty's here and our grandmother has had this huge impact on her life. So I'm just, let's do some share time. In your pew, I want you to share with somebody sitting next to you who has made the biggest impact on your life, whether they're alive or dead. Go ahead, share right now. Call some names out. Say that again. Monanir. Who else? Somebody name somebody. Who's made an impact on your life? Say it again. Your mother and father. Yeah, nobody says pastor. I mean, it just makes you depressed. Sunday school teacher. All of you have people, even if you're not sharing it, if you were to stop and think about it, you have made an impact on other, that have made an impact on your life. Now, and I see Mary Louise and Doris sitting back there. It's weird. I go out and visit people, and they say they come to this church, and invariably they say, well, Mary Louise or Doris or Mary Lou Mitchell invited me to church. About These are like, you know, there's like three levels of separation. Everybody's at this church because of those two ladies pretty much. They've had an impact. You know, there's been people that have had an impact in your life, in the life of this church. How we live affects those who follow us. Now, there's a story in the Bible that illustrates this as well. It's found in Genesis 11, 27 through 32. It's, it's the story before the story of Abram. You know, Abram is this great model of what it means to have faith. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do this reverse today in this service Meryl, if you, if you don't mind, go to, go to Hebrews on the PowerPoint. I'm going to read this first. This is the image of Abram. Hebrews 11, 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was received for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. 
By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Well, that's awesome. You know, Abraham's this great person of faith, and, you know, he's, he's known otherwise as Abram. Abram and Abraham. And, and, and he, in Genesis 12, you have this great calling of Abraham where God says, I am calling you and I am blessing you to make you a blessing. And that is significant because God is always blessing people, not just to bless people, but so they can be a blessing. So, so God has blessed this church, not just so he can bless us, but he's blessing us so that we can bless other people. So Abram, we understand, you know, Abram's this great figure of faith for the Hebrew people. Abram is this great figure of faith for Christian people. Abram even is even contained in Muslim thought as this figure of faith. Abram is this overarching, overriding character who exemplifies what it means to live by faith. But it doesn't begin in Genesis chapter 12. It begins in Genesis chapter 11. Genesis 11. Can you get back here for me, Meryl? 11, 27 through 32. Now these are the records of the generations of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his birth in Ur of the Chaldeans. Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, who becomes Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife was Melchah, the, father, the daughter of Haran, the father of Melchah, and Iscah. And I am thankful that we don't name our kids that anymore. Praise the Lord. Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife. And they went out together. They went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. The days of Terah was 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. See, before... Genesis 12, when Abram left to go on into the land of Canaan, Terah modeled what it meant to move into the unknown, to trust, to leave, to to live this life of risk and adventure. See, I'm of the belief that but for Terah, Abram would not have been a person, an individual who could trust God and leave what was known to follow the will of God. Now, I think of a, anybody ever look at themselves in the mirror and they say, man, I am becoming my parents, Lord help me, right? You know, I, I inherited a lot of characteristics from both my mom and dad, and some of them you know, I probably need to be anointed at the altar and, and ask God to remove them. But, the, you know, but my parents, you know, great characteristics, great people of faith. My, my dad is unique, um, and I see more and more of my dad in me every day. My dad can be a bit stubborn, and um, I'm glad I didn't inherit that characteristic. <laughs> well, maybe a little. We, we moved 
to Kansas City when I was in seventh grade. And um, we were living out close to my uncle Danny in, in Kansas City, Raytown, Missouri. And, and it just wasn't a fit for my parents. And so dad decided he was moving back to Connersville, Indiana. And at that time, my dad was probably in his mid to late 50s. And, and my uncle Dan, Danny, when my dad said we were moving back to Kansas City, he told my dad, he said, listen, people your age don't move across the country. And my dad said, I do. <laughs> and I think about, not, not, not that I'm all that awesome, I don't think that, that's not what I'm saying, but, but I know in my life I've taken some risk following God. You know, I, people are all the time and say, well, you know, how in the world do you leave the practice of law uh, when you're nearly 40 years old and go into the ministry? How, how do you leave, you know, Trenton was a church that was thriving. You know, we were growing. Everything was going smooth. Why do you leave a church like that and come somewhere else? Why? why how can... <laughs> and I think about my dad. See, my dad modeled <laughs> that we don't live by sight, that, that you can take faith steps, that you can take risk steps because God can be trusted both with our past and with our future. Amen. How you live today affects those who follow. Your kids, your grandkids, you know, if the, if the Lord doesn't return, if the Lord tarries, because that's the, that's the preaching way to say that, right? I can't say, you know, if, if, when I'm talking about the Lord returning, I say, if the Lord tarries, and you guys all understand what I mean, right? That's kind of a weird word, though. If the Lord doesn't return, generations after generations will follow us in this church. They'll, they'll follow your example in your home. And you will have had an impact on their future by how you lived today. So let me ask you, who are you influencing today? This is a highly personal sermon because when I talk about these things, I realize the investment other people have made in my life and that I am standing here today not because of just myself, but because people have been willing as Sunday school teachers, as pastors, as friends, as parents, as grandparents, people have invested in me. And so as I think about these things, there's, there's all sorts of just personal memories that come to mind. It's like that for you too, isn't it? Who are you influencing today? Back when I was... Um, before I was born, as a matter of fact, I was born in this house. My mom and dad uh, bought a house from Kay Williams and Red Williams. Do you remember Kay, Patty? You don't remember Kay? Kay, Red died when I was three years old. And our pastor at that time, th- th- these weren't religious folks at all, spiritual folks at all. My, our pastor at that time had the great privilege of leading Red to the Lord just hours before he passed away. I have this great hope that I'm going to be reunited with Red Williams in heaven. I only knew him for three years, but but he loved me like a grandson because they didn't have any kids, and so they kind of adopted us as their kids and grandkids. And I, I you know, I had this great expectation of seeing Red because mom and dad were there to influence. Well, Kay lived many more years. She lived until I was a senior in high school, and uh, Kay developed 
cancer. And, and you, you ever know somebody that, that gets sick and they just give up? Uh, Kay was all alone, and she, her brother was sick at the time, and, and she thought he was going to and she just gave up. You could just see that she just wasn't going to fight it. Uh, but, but Kay could be a bit profane. Um, she, she was a little bit rough. Uh, she would say things like, if Jesus Christ was across the street, I wouldn't go see him. <laughs> uh, she was a little bit of a rough cob, if you will. But my mom and dad just loved her. And they just continued to love her. And she loved us in her own way. She loved us. And we knew that. So years and years, mom and dad just ministered to, was with, loved her. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think when my mom and dad think that, that they're with people like this, I think they think in the right way. I don't think they're thinking, oh, we're ministering to this person. They're just loving them. <laughs> and so they just loved Kay. Kay was near death. And she, she said to my mom, she said, you know, Wanda, when I was a young woman, I went to a fortune teller. And the fortune teller told me, she said, you're going to have a young woman come into your life and I, you're, you're, you're going to invest in her life. And so in the back of Kay's mind, all these years was that my mom was this young woman and she was going to be investing in her. But, but you see, I think God had other things in mind. I think God spoke through a silly fortune teller to put Kay right in the dab center of my mom's life so that by the end of her life, before she died, once again, she's coming to faith. Kay's in heaven because a fortune teller told her, hey, you need to go and take, be with this woman, when in fact God was using it to put her in the path of a woman who would never stop loving her. Boy, there's more to that story that sometimes I stop and think about my parents and I realize what good individuals they have been. All of Kay's brothers were alcoholics. And, and, and it was not, you know, more than one occasion, we're driving home and, and there's Milt or there's Dilmer and they're passed out drunk on the street and dad takes us home, goes back, gets those guys, cleans them up and takes them home. Who does that kind of stuff? All of those men, before they died, accepted Jesus as their savior. And they're all in heaven because mom and dad took very seriously this ideal that these people that they have been placed in their path, they're going to influence them towards the kingdom. So let me ask you, who has God placed intentionally in your path? See, I don't, I don't believe we serve an accidental God. I don't believe we serve a haphazard God. I don't believe we serve a God that just, oh, hey, look, a coincidence. But we have a God who has a divine plan for you, and he's placed you particularly where you are with those around you in mind. There's this whole concept of planning the gospel and, and serving where we are it's based on this ideal that to be a Christian is not about 
you know, church services are great. I love church services because I get to talk, okay? You know, it may be like painful for you guys. But, you know, I love when we gather and we do all this stuff. I, I think it's important, it's significant. We, we, we inspire, we encourage, we, we find better ways to serve, we pray with each other. It's significant. But the, but the power of the Christian walk is not found here, but it's found out there. It's illustrated by people like Mary Louise and Doris and Mary Lou Mitchell and Betty Mosley and all those who've went before you who have influenced people to become part of the kingdom here. And it's continued today in you. You, you have this treasure in earthen vessels, temporary vessels, this gift and God has given you the opportunity to participate in the kingdom by living your faith today, building your faith in the future, and building the faith of your kids, grandkids, and those you love. So how can you use your faith today to move those who follow forward in their faith and love? And I'm going to give you two words in closing, modeling and encouraging. <laughs> can you model your love? Can you model your faith? And this is an easy example. If your kids never see you taking a risk for God, it may be difficult for them to imagine what it means to take a risk for God. If your kids never see you extending yourself in love for other people, it may be very difficult for your kids to extend themselves in love. And when I say kids, all those you're influencing, this is, this is true for. Men, this is for you. If you've got a son in your house, I believe that most boys expect their mothers to be loving and compassionate and giving. Because that's what moms do, right? The influence comes when you have a father who's willing to model Jesus Christ and be a person of compassion and love. I can't tell you, and my dad's not an emotional kind of guy. I, we went to my, my grandpa's funeral. It was like watching stone people at a funeral. You know, nobody cried or did anything. It's uh, but more than one occasion, when, when I was harsh towards someone, my dad would say something extremely compassionate about that person. You know, I've not arrived. God's got a lot of work to do in my life, but I've had models of love and compassion. And then encourage. Give, and, and this is particularly for your kids and your grandkids, give them opportunity to serve and give. Give them opportunities to practice their faith. Give them opportunities and space where they can serve other people. That's important. Kim takes our kids to the, to the Gables and they, they serve there. That's such an awesome opportunity. You know, allow your kids while they're young to practice faith. Talk about faith with them. Talk about choices they're having to make. Stand with me, if you will.
Sorry, this wasn't intended to be. A lot of this was not in my notes today, but it's just, it's one of those topics that as you talk about, all of you, I would say most of you, if not all of you, have, as you've, I've talked about these people who have been an impact in your life, have a face in your mind uh, of someone. Now, see, Josh, is, it was his third and fourth grade caravan teacher, right? They taught him how to play Uno and eat, eat pretzel rods. That was me, by the way, so just in case you wanted. All of you have somebody in your mind that you can think of that has been this influence in your life. My question for you today is, is there a Kay Williams that, that's in your life that, that God has intentionally placed in your life and he's given you the opportunity? Who, who is God going to imprint your face on their memory in 30 years when some pastor is standing up talking about legacy and, and those who went before? Who, who is it in your life that God's calling you to influence towards faith and love? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. I've sensed your presence so real in both services. And Lord, I believe uh, that, that you've wanted to speak to us today. Lord, I, I pray that you'll remove anything that was, that was wrong or inadequate uh, from memory, Lord, and replace it with the working of your Holy Spirit. Help us to be people who um, are aware that today is building something. And Lord, may it be something that's honorable and brings glory to you. And Lord, may we just continue to serve you with a, a level of faith, hope, and love that allows those generations that follow us to more easily move into places that are unknown and uncomfortable. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless.